give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Off the Record podcast. My name is Erin, and this is the third episode. Today, we're going to be talking about Reload by Metallica. So this album came out in 1977, and this was a second part of a double album release um, from a previous year they released Load. They released this on Elektra Records. They were signed to at the time. Um, Currently, they are on Blackened Records, which is their own label, which is really cool. They print their own vinyl and everything, which is really awesome. But this is their seventh album, and band members and roles at the time were James Hetfield, vocals and rhythm guitar, Kirk Hammett, lead guitar, Lars Ulrich, drummer, and Jason Newstead, bassist, who is currently not the bassist anymore. Um, He left a few years after that. So I wanted to talk about the band and where they were in their career. So in 1991, the Black Album had come out, and that just boomed everything for them and so load and reload came right after the black album so bob rock who is a very famous producer produced all three of those records and he also did um saint anger as well which came after load and reload which one day maybe we'll talk about i don't have that vinyl but it is um an interesting time in the band's career so at the time maybe like a couple years before guns and roses had come out with use your illusion one and two which was also a double album that they did i don't remember if it was back to back i have both of those records which we'll talk about one day but um i don't know if that was released on the same year or year after i'll have to look into that but pretty much lars was inspired by them and he decided to um do something similar with metallica and put out a double album And at the time, this record, it is polarizing. Some people thought that they had sold out with the Black Album and then that they, even with Load and Reload, they just, like, quote-unquote, got worse and they changed their sound and they're not a thrash metal band anymore, blah, 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 blah. Um, Personally, I think if you are a band, or if you're any artist, really, I mean, you're going to get compared to your previous work constantly and... There's going to be fans that don't want you to change your sound at all. And they don't want you to evolve as an artist. And I just frankly don't agree with that. Um, I think it is good to change. And, you know, not stray too, too far. So I got introduced to Metallica back in college. I didn't really, you know, I grew up on classic rock and everything like that, but I just did not dip my toes into the metal world at all until later on in life. So this was probably around like 2016, 17. I had listened, I think like one of my friends was like, oh, like Aaron, like you, I know you really like classic rock and everything. Like, I think you should listen to Metallica. I think you would really like them. And so I had heard none of their music at all. Like I had, I had heard of the name, but I just did not know anything. I remember like back in high school, I had an English teacher who, I think we were write, reading a book and then like we had to make like a CD or like a file of like five or six songs that reminded us of a specific character or like plot point in the book. It was really cool at the time. I don't really remember what I put um but anyway one of the guys in my class had put metallica down and then the the specific english teacher had said that um she was never a fan of theirs and that like yeah she just like had said like oh they're they're just bad whatever and so like that kind of like 
in my head, I was like, oh, like, I guess, like, they're not good. I don't know. Because I was, like, 15 at the time. Like, I didn't really know much. But, like, when you're absorbing everything, like, you're going to, you know, listen to your teachers and their opinions and whatnot. So that kind of stuck with me until college. And I didn't have any exposure to the band either. I mean, my dad, he's probably, like, 10 years older than the guys actually in Metallica. So, like, when they put out their first album, like, he was, like, 30, already married to my mom. So, like, there was no... He didn't go through, like, a, at least I don't think he went through, like, a teenage rebellion or anything like that. Like, um, so it was just, like, after his time. But anyway, so I listened to Inner Sandman, and I was just so blown away. And, like, I had listened to it uh, from the album, the Black album. And I remember Sad But True came on next, which is the second track on that album. And I was like, it's too heavy. This is too much. Like, let me just work up to it. Because I had not listened to any metal at all. And so I was like, this is kind of a lot. Let me just... You know, it was so weird because, like, I didn't go in order at all. Um, At the time, I thought the Black Album was, like, their first album. I didn't realize it was their fifth. So it's just kind of funny now. I just also remember, so, like, I listened to Enter Sandman. I was like, this is cool. Like, I like it. And then um, another friend at the time was like, oh, like, oh, yeah, I know that other, like, Metallica song, like, Fuel. Like, give me fuel, give me fire, give me... You know, he had said, like, the opening line, and I was like, what are you talking about? And, like, he said it in the same cadence that, like, James sings it, which is, or says it. He doesn't really sing it, um, which was funny. And so I went ahead and listened to it, and then I was like, okay, like, this is cool, too, and kind of different. I was like, this isn't really, like, heavy metal, but I like it. You know, I don't usually, I'll, like, listen to, like, the song in the album instead of, like, go on YouTube and just listen to the one song. So after that song played, The Memory Remains, which is the second track on reload um started playing and then i just listened to the whole album um and i remember i was i was in turkey just trying to like absorb everything like i was listening to load and reload a lot and that was kind of the first um albums i got into with metallica and like i had heard like oh they sold out and blah 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 whatever like specifically with enter sandman and i was i was so confused like i didn't know anything about the band but i was like how could they have sold out if this was their first album and, like, Enter Sandman was, like, their first hit, whatever. I had no idea um, after learning about the band's history. So it's just funny. I didn't, like, again, I did not go in order at all of, like, the albums that I listened to. They have 10, well, 11 now, I think, um, total. But I, I think it went, like, Reload, and then, like, I listened to the Black album, and then, like, I went back to Load. And then I listened to, like, Master of Puppets, like, the song specifically and I was like this is cool and like I don't know why like sad but true I was like scared and I was like this is like too much it's not like a really heavy I mean like it is one of like their heavier songs but it's not like fast or like scary or anything like that but yeah I just thought that was I just think that's really funny um and at the time I think like in 2016 17 their album Hardwired had come out and so I was listening to that as well so it's kind of absorbing all of these different eras of the band and trying to understand and learn about you know where they were in their career and everything yeah I think like it's so funny that like I'm you know I spun the wheel last week and then it had hit reload and I just thought that's so funny because it was that is the first album that introduced me to this band and frankly like Metallica is probably my favorite band of all time at this point it definitely used to be Guns N' Roses and like they are number two but you know it is hard to be a fan of the of a band that does not put out new music and that hasn't in a really long time and you know they put out singles and stuff but anyway we will get to that one day but now we're just going to focus on metallica so 
that's pretty much my history with the band. So of course I have the vinyl here with me. So the album cover itself, it actually is artwork by an artist named Andreas Serrano. And the album with Load and Reload together, I think both cover art um, is from the same artist, but I will talk about them collectively just because they are intertwined with each other, but I'll focus on Reload more. But pretty much like these album covers are controversial and they were controversial for like the band itself as well. So I really like, I don't like thinking about it too much, but the Reload cover, it's it's red and yellow, right? Like it kind of looks like this like weird lava thing, gradient thing. So the artist that created this artwork, it is a mix of blood and urine with like, I guess like plexiglass in between them, or that could be just for load. I'm not sure. Load is a lot worse. I will not get into what it is, but you can look it up. But the artwork itself is called Fist and Blood 26. So I don't know if that means there's 25 more of these things, but uh, yeah, I don't hate it. But like after finding, like I found out years later, like what it was and I was just like, my jaw dropped. But at the time, Kirk and Lars liked it and they, Lars specifically is very into art and like avant-garde types of stuff. And um, James did not like it. You know, I think, like, I understand, like, being uncomfortable by it and also kind of, like, exploring, like, a different type of art. I mean, like, um, I wouldn't really gravitate towards that, but, you know, in general, aesthetically, this was a weird time in the band. They all had, like, cut their hair, um, and this is, like, in the 90s, so we're kind of past, like, the 80s hair metal bands and, like, earlier in their career they had long hair. If you look at the back, the back, it doesn't have a track list, um, which I was surprised by, but there's just a photo of the four of them from their um, live concert called Cutting Stunts um, from 1977. So a lot of photos are from that specific show that they had recorded, um, and you can watch that on, like, YouTube. So around this era, they had a new logo and it was a, it's technically a ninja star, but it is four of like the M's put together, which is cool. So Metallica kind of has like their own font, basically, if you don't know, like it has like that, those sharp edges um, and all four of them make that ninja star. And I, I believe James created this logo and he created the original Metallica logo too. So it it is cool to, yeah, you know, after finding that out, I had known that before doing research on the album, but it is cool to see that he was so heavily involved artistically too, because um, that's not really, I mean, we don't really get a chance to see that process of like, you know, logos and like why they choose album art and stuff like that. So I think it is a cool like insight um, into the band. And if you open it up, this is the first double disc vinyl that we're reviewing. So if you open it up, it, there's just more photos of the band here and the track list and the writing credits and the production and all that good stuff. If you take out the lyric booklet, um, there's just more photos of them. And then there's like ink blot images around the lyric booklet, which is cool. But also there are only, and there's lyrics, but there's only like maybe like three or four lines of each song, which I didn't realize that. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting where it's just like, it's all in handwritten. Um, and you can kind of see there's like little doodles and stuff here and there. So I think it all is all um, James's handwriting. And you can kind of tell if you know what it looks like and like his like art style. Cause it, it does kind of look like the original Metallica logo. And also there's this like guy with like a skull and crossbones character. And I think he has like a I think it's like a mohawk or something like that. He drew that as well. So it's like in that same style, which is cool. 
But if you take out the vinyl itself, it is just standard black. In the middle, there's like the track list and also like their logo and then the, the Ninja Star logo as well. So that's pretty cool. All right, so we're gonna get into the track list. So track list as follows. Fuel, The Memory Remains, Devil's Dance, The Unforgiven 2, Better Than You, Slither, Carpe Diem Baby, Bad Seed, Where the Wild Things Are, Prince Charming, Low Man's Lyric, Attitude, and Fixer, which has um, three X's in it. <laughs> All right, so the first song is Fuel, and this was written by James, Lars, and Kirk. So this song talks about being an adrenaline junkie, basically. At the time, he still is, but James was very much into cars and fast cars, specifically. So some lyrics include turn on, I see red, adrenaline crash and crack my head, nitro junkie, paint me dead, and I see red. So nitro junkie, that pretty much, to me, that just means like he's just driving a fast car. This song is not that deep, but it is really good, and they do play this. Um, pretty frequently at their concerts so the opening line and also the chorus is give me fuel give me fire give me that which i desire which is what we heard at the top of this um this episode so um it's a really fun song it is really catchy it still is like pretty like heavy and stuff but i think like maybe with like because they were doing like experimental stuff in the load and reload era i think maybe fans were kind of like what is this? But at the same time, I think if like somebody who was not a fan of these albums had to pick a favorite song, like Fuel would be one of them. So I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword. And I think like this entire album is because it is, it's really polarizing. So, but the next song is The Memory Remains and that was written by James and Lars. And so this song pretty much talks about how fame can affect people um and just the negative sides on it the opening line and also in the chorus like both fuel and the memory remains do this but it's fortune fame mirror vein gone insane with the memory remains so to me that is pretty much like these famous people go through all this horrible stuff and like they can either like die or you know etc but like them their memory still is there like people always will remember them even if they're not here so if you keep going to the song lyrics um it says another star denies the grave dim light of an already faded prima donna so that is probably one of my favorite lines in this whole song it does talk about how like there's there's so many artists and kind of like what we talked about in the last episode the 27 club you know like a lot of artists have just faded off and they have passed away early on because they couldn't handle the fame or you know various other reasons or they have coping mechanisms for dealing with fame and so this whole song deals with that and there's another line where uh, James says ash to ash dust to dust fade to black and fade to black is a song from their second album ride the lightning it's pretty much about death to say the least and so that I like that this is when they start kind of referencing their own work um and their their past work and you can kind of see that in the later albums too which I think is cool I mean some people are kind of like why are you recycling stuff but I mean it is if you have a big catalog like you can I think it's okay to reference yourself and go back to those same themes because at the end of the day like there's so many things you can write songs about and if like there's a song that is kind of similar to what you're writing currently and you wrote like 30 years ago like yeah you can reference that like that is fine um anyway towards the end of the song um there's a lot of na 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 there's a lot of na na's and um those are all done by mary and faithful and this is the first and i believe only song that they have where they have a featured artist but it's not credited in the actual um song track but if you look at the 
notes of the album, then she is there. And I think this might have been... I don't think they had really... Like, back in the day, I don't think they said, like, featured blah, 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 or, you know, featured this artist. I think that's kind of more of a... As things digitized, I think they were like, okay, we have to give them, like, credit and stuff. Yeah, it just says The Memory Remains by Metallica, that's all. And, like, it still says that on streaming services. I mean, kind of kind of the similar sense of, like, You're So Vain by Carly Simon. Mick Jagger is singing with her. I think, like, probably in the vinyl, it probably says that he's doing backup vocals, but you can clearly hear him, um, but it doesn't say anything on the actual song itself, so I think it's probably just, like, what it was for the time period. All right, so next song is Devil's Dance, and this is written by Lars and James. Most songs are written by the two. They are the main um, songwriters, and we can get to that in a different episode, how they write and whatnot, but it is fascinating, and I've watched so many videos of them like making songs in the studio, so I think I understand most of it. Anyway, this this song is pretty much about how we're getting into, like, not religious territory per se, but, like, talking about, like, the devil and hell type of thing. And Metallica wasn't really the type to talk about hell. I mean, I think hell is a really big theme in rock music in general, especially, like, in, like, the 70s and 80s. Like, there's so many songs about, like, the devil and, like, going to hell and stuff like that. And it's not even in a religious sense. It's, like, all metaphorical. But, I mean, Metallica didn't really do that um, until this song. I think, like, the closest they got was probably Jump in the Fire, which is on their first album called Kill Them All. Yeah, pretty much this is just, this song is about the devil kind of tempting somebody to follow him into hell. Um, So some lyrics include, in your eyes, I see a fire that burns. Um, One day you will see and dare to come down to me. Yeah, come on, come on, now take the chance. That's right, let's dance. So the dance is just kind of, like saying yes to the devil, essentially. And then at the end of the song, which is so cool, the last line of the entire song, it says, it's nice to see you here, ha ha. Like, he actually laughs, which is funny. But it pretty much implies that the person did follow him into hell. So I think this song is probably more about, like, temptation, and um, I don't think it's, like, entirely religious or anything like that. I think when songwriters use, like, heaven and hell as metaphors, I think it could be... I can, I think it can just be like a lot of different things. Yeah, this is a really cool song. It's really heavy and it's, it's probably one of my favorites on the album. All right, so the next song is The Unforgiven 2, written by James, Lars, and Kirk. So this song is the sequel to the first Unforgiven song, which was on the Black Album, which is two albums ago at this point for Reload. So I actually heard this song before I heard the original Unforgiven. And it's it. They have three of them, um, and it's this is my probably my favorite one of like the trilogy. So they have an Unforgiven three as well on a later album, and I think in this particular song, uh, towards the end, he does reference to the first Unforgiven, which I think is pretty cool. I don't think the third one does that, but um, yeah, I mean like again with their whole like discography being like intertwined, I mean like it makes sense to me. Um, some people might not like that, but I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of for the fans, you know. Um, I don't think, like, if you are just, like, a casual listener, you'll understand that. Lyrics and stuff like that that are kind of hinting at older songs and stuff, so I think it's pretty cool. But some lyrics include, What I felt, what I've known, sick and tired, I stand alone. Could you be there? Because I'm the one that waits for you. Are you, or are you unforgiven too? So in the, it's titled Unforgiven too with two Roman numerals. And then, like, in the song, he says to, like, T-O-O. So I, I think it's kind of cool how he can say the name of the song, but, like, in a different, like, the two is different. 
So I always thought that was cool. More lyrics include, she laid beside me, but she'll be there when I'm gone. Black heart scarring, darker still. Yeah, she'll be there when I'm gone. So in my opinion, this is kind of like, the she is kind of like maybe like the darkness or like something that he's struggling with. Metallica in general doesn't really have a lot of songs that like include the word she or like women you know like they were not really big on writing about like love and women and sex and like objectifying them and stuff like that and they didn't want that to be what they did anyway which i have a lot of respect for i mean you know there's a lot of bands in the 80s and stuff where like they really do like objectify women mostly like molly crew and like a little bit of guns and roses unfortunately but that's just kind of like what the culture was so it is cool i think like that's why metallica stands out because like they weren't like yeah, they were like these tough guys, but they weren't like they weren't like misogynistic about it, if that makes sense. So I think like this could be interpreted in different ways. Um, you know, she'll be there when I'm gone. Maybe like that can mean like those like struggles or the darkness, like even if you're not like addressing it or you're not thinking about it, it's still there. It's always still with you, basically. Um, and towards the end of the song, he says, "Never free, never me." And the last line he says, "Cause you're unforgiven too." So. There's like a forgiveness and unforgiveness theme running throughout some of Metallica's songs. And I think like James struggles with that for himself or it could be metaphor for something else. We don't know. But it's just, again, like struggling with being unforgiven and, you know, like being forgiven. Like it's the whole again, it's like the religious context coming out again. Um, Oh, forgive me, father. That's like the whole that's the extent that I know. But to be forgiven by a higher power it is a big deal if you are a religious person and surround your life with that so this is kind of what this song is touching on and i think it can be applied in different ways all right so next song is better than you this was written by james and lars some lyrics include bury the need for it bury the seed bury me deep when there's no will to be better than you this song isn't very deep i mean it really is just about like wanting to be better than somebody else and, you know, when he says bury the seed, I think, like, to me, it kind of is, like, a foreshadowing of the song Bad Seed, which is later in this track list. So, and then more song lyrics include can't stop this train from rolling. And I think the train could be the band itself and not containing themselves in that box, because at this time, this is after the Black Album, which was pretty much their, not breakout album, but, like, it made them go into the mainstream. I mean, it's kind of like... Never mind for Nirvana, basically, to like give you some perspective if you don't know. And I think this also can't stop the strain from rolling. Kind of reminds me of their song "Battery." Battery sounded me cannot stop the battery. You know stuff like that. So which is on Master Puppets, which I have that album, and we will talk about that 100%. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it pretty much is. It could be like maybe like a middle finger to like the public or maybe people that just like deny their success or like don't want them to succeed or want them to do something different so all right so next song is slither and this was written by james lars and kirk so some lyrics include don't go looking for snakes you might find them don't send your eyes to the sun you might blind them haven't i seen you here before there ain't no heroes here no more so um there's a lot of things going on in this song, in my opinion. You know, don't go looking for snakes, you might find them. I mean, that to me, that kind of means, like, don't go looking for trouble. And he also says there ain't no heroes here no more. And on the previous album, Load, there's a song called Hero of the Day. It might be, it might not be a reference to that song, but I think that was, that kind of caught my eye. And then he also says, um, in the beginning of the song, watch the puppets dancing. And I think that that's got to be, like, a reference to Master Puppets. Like, there's no way... Um, but I thought that's like a pretty cool head nod. Again, like a lot of little references here and there, which is cool. And then towards in the middle of the song, um, 
he says, we're standing in this jungle with the serpents I have found. Um, and every time I hear like jungle in a song, I just always think of Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. That could be a reference. There could not be at all. I mean, like to me, like it would be cool if it was because Lars was inspired by Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, which is a double album by Guns N' Roses, like what we talked about earlier. And they decided to do Load and Reload, which is a double album. So at that time, like the, these bands are like rivals, but they're still listening to the, each other's music, I bet. I thought that was cool, but you know, snakes could be a metaphor for like indulgences and temptations. Um, so that's pretty much what the song is about. It's very, it's very snaky. <laughs> and he never says slither in the song. I find it interesting whenever artists like name a song and like there is no lyrics that are the same as the title. So I always thought, I always thought that was interesting. Um, and like obviously snake slither, but you know, it just is what it is. So that's kind of cool. All right, so the next song is Carpe Diem Baby. And this is written by James, Lars, and Kirk. So the phrase carpe diem means seize the day. So that's pretty much what this song is about for the most part. Um, some lyrics include live to win, dare to fail. And this is actually a Motorhead reference. And Metallica was really heavily influenced by Motorhead back in the day um, in their early career. And they still are to this day, I'm sure. So I believe James might have that song lyric tattooed on him, on his arms, I think, something like that. Some other song lyrics include so wash your face away with dirt. It don't feel good until it hurts. So take this world and shake it. Again, the whole seize the day, kind of like you have to just live your life regardless if, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. So yeah, this song is pretty much just about living your life. <laughs> All right, so next song is Bad Seed, and this is written by James, Lars, and Kirk. In the beginning of the song, there is a cough, and that is actually a reference to Black Sabbath's song, Sweet Leaf. Um, and I'll put audio samples of that side by side in here. First, I'm just going to do Metallica song and then Black Sabbath. <laughs> so yeah, that's what the reference is. Um, some lyrics include, swing the noose again, pierce the apple skin. You bit more than you need, now you're choking on a bad seed. And again, kind of like another religious reference. Metallica is not a religious band by any means. James, who's the frontman of the band, like he's just very influenced by his religion. So like it will come out in some songs and like I don't mind that. And you know, they could be metaphorical as well. But I think this song could be like a reference to like Adam and Eve and like the apple. And the song is kind of about like biting off more than what you can chew. Um, and then uh, there's another line where he says, let it on, load off. And he says load. So I thought that was kind of funny and like a reference to the load album and this entire era itself. Um, all right. So next song is Where the Wild Things Are. Probably one of my favorites on the album. So it was written by James, Lars, and actually Jason. Finally, we have a co-write from him. Um, so the title references the child book that has the same name, Where the Wild Things Are. I remember reading that when I was younger. Um, it had been a while since I like had thought about that actual like storybook. At first, I remembered like it's pretty much like he's like in a dream the whole time. I did look up the book's background and what it actually represents and symbolizes. So the author's name is Maurice Sendak, um, and it is inspired by his youth and his background growing up um, in like Brooklyn, New York, and his relationship to his parents. 
I hadn't read this book in like 20 years, so it's been a long time. The book itself kind of represents a psychotic breakdown of a child. Um, and this book was apparently banned at one point, and they, they just thought it was too dark and psychologically damaging to the audience. Um, but the whole banning books thing, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think you should censor art. Um, and, you know, eventually children will have to learn that. But I, it just really depends. But... Um, yeah, so I think maybe James, maybe he felt, like, connected to the story itself. Maybe as a child he suffered through, like, a psychotic breakdown, or maybe he feels like a child that is going through that. So that could be a reference, but some lyrics include, So wake up, sleepy one, it's time to save your world. Steal dreams and give to you, shoplift a thought or two. All children touch the sun, burn fingers one by one. So I think this could be about how children kind of like growing up and getting into adulthood and trying to maybe cling on to, you know, all children touch the sun and burn their fingers. I mean, as like a kid, if you like really think about it, like the sun is this like big, bright, like beautiful thing that like gives us sunshine and light. And if you touch it, you will actually burn your It's like fire, basically. Um, and as a kid, you don't really think about how that it's going to affect you negatively. So I think it could be some undertones of childhood and kind of dealing with darkness as a child. Um, but there actually are a lot of like toy references and metaphors at the end of this song. It could be a reflection of James's childhood. And so some lyrics include crossfire to the marionettes, slip into the edge of death, crossfire to the marionettes. And he says marionettes. So like that's another Master Puppets reference. Like you cannot tell me that it's not. Um... But he says, like, toy soldiers off to war. It is a really interesting visual to think about. You know, we have these, like, little... If you ever watch Toy Story, in the first couple of minutes, like, there's, like, these toy soldiers and um, that could be kind of, like, referencing childhood and how, like, this kid might have to, like, go to war one day. But also it could be metaphorical war as well and within themselves. Another line that I really like is, will this earth be good to you? Keep you clean or stain through. So... Going back to like being a child and wondering like what their life is going to be like. Alright, so next song is Prince Charming. This is written by James and Lars. So the chorus goes, look up to me, what you've been and what you feared. I think the song is kind of like a personification of like the devil or like maybe like the bad negative in the world and like tempting people to do bad things and like why they do them basically. I mean, all the verses and stuff kind of imply like this, these are all bad people and like what they do and stuff like that and... Some lyrics include, there's a black cloud overhead, that's me. And the poison ivy chokes the tree, again, it's me. So me could be, like, the devil or, like, just, like, the negativity in the world. Like, if you think of, like, the yin and yang, simple, like, you know, there's good and bad and bad and good. So I always think about that, too. And again, this is another song where, like, he does not, he doesn't say Prince Charming. There's nothing about Prince Charming at all. Like, it's kind of a random title, um, in my opinion. Um, I looked up on Genius and they said that the song is about owning who you are no matter your weaknesses and what people say about you. I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I mean, maybe it could be like about like how quote unquote bad people do bad things and then they still have to accept what they become. So maybe like Prince Charming could be like metaphorical, but I don't know. This is like also not really a fan favorite. I don't mind it. It is just, it's just different. All right, so next song is Low Man's Lyric and this is written by James and Lars again. So some lyrics include my eyes seek reality, my fingers seek my veins. So as I write to you, 
of what is done and to do. Maybe you'll understand and won't cry for this man because low man is due. Please forgive me. So another song about forgiveness and that going back to that theme could be in another religious sense, could be not. Other lyrics say, so the low sky is all I see. All I want from you is forgive me, which is kind of like a weird, it kind of works, but like, you know, sometimes I think about like grammatically incorrect lyrics and like sometimes you just have to like fit like what is in the melody. So I think that's kind of interesting. All I want for you is forgive me. Maybe it's like to forgive me, but like it just didn't work. I don't know. So James himself could be the low man. Like these are his lyrics and kind of he's like personifying that character. But other lyrics include confess all to the rain, but I lie, lie straight to the mirror. The one I've broken to match my face. So this song could be about like depression and mental health struggles as well. I also had seen that somebody thought this song was about like suicide as well. So definitely could be, but it is about like a low point in your life. All right, so next song is Attitude, and this was written by James and Lars. I don't have like too much to say about the song just because like it's another one of those songs where it's like not very deep. But some lyrics include I hunger, I eat born into attitude, asleep at the wheel, throw all your bullets in the fire and stand there. I think like attitude could be like the band or like the attitude like surrounding um, what it is, what it is expected to be in a heavy metal band. And I feel like it's just another song about like adrenaline in general and being like hungry to pursue this career and like this life path. All right, so we're on the last song and it is Fixer. And this is written with three X's, which is just extra <laughs> but it i think it serves a purpose um this is written by james lars and kirk um there's a lot of voodoo metaphor throughout the song which is really cool they've actually only played this song once and i believe it was last year the year before or something like that but it's a very long song and metallica is very known for their long songs but this is definitely up there i think it's about like eight or nine minutes so some song lyrics include dolls of voodoos all stuck with pins one for each of us and our sins. And so more religious metaphor is, again, James is basically saying like we are voodoo dolls and like all everything that we do bad is like a scar. So we're all stuck with these pins. Like I, I think like throughout the whole album, like he really does paint like a really interesting picture and it's very vivid. And I think that is really strong in this whole album. But more lyrics include for the chorus for the chorus lyrics he says but tell me can you heal what father's done or fix this hole in a mother's son and then continue on to just when all seems fine and i'm pain free jab another pin jab another pin in me so it could be dealing with you know daddy issues basically <laughs> dealing with like childhood trauma like not getting over wounds and like them kind of like reopening or having like something else happen to him where like, oh, it's another pin. And if you really think about like voodoo dolls, I mean like people make voodoo dolls for people in real life. And like, if they want them to be hurt, um, then you stick a pin in them. So it could be like, maybe like in a way, like whoever is like controlling his voodoo doll, they're inflicting this like pain onto him or like something else is happening. And that, that could be karma as well. I mean, we don't know. Um, but I think the, the bridge has some interesting lyrics too, when James uses this megaphone or like like a weird like vocal um, fry. Uh, I don't really know what, I don't, I don't know like what the terminology is, but it can be kind of hard to like miss what he's saying, but some of the lyrics include shell of shotgun, pine of gin, numb us up to shield the pins. 
renew our faith which way we can to fall in love with life again to fall in love with life again so there's a lot going on there and that's just like a little bit of it if you want to look up the lyrics you can because it is kind of like a lot he also says three x's for the stone i think that's what like the fixer is um why why fixer has three x's and usually three x's kind of includes like x-rated stuff and like sometimes like x's are also on alcohol as well so it could just be like negative things itself but shell of shotgun like literally like shooting i think like james he hunts a lot um so it could be like he's using going to hunt and like using like guns and stuff as like a way to like escape he also says pint of gin we know james has a history with alcoholism and so he might you know he's like kind of saying like these are what i'm trying to used to escape from and try to like feel numb or like numb the pain um kind of like dealing with depression and inner demons um and so it is a really deep song and i think with reload and load there's some songs that are very deep others that are kind of like you're just talking about fast cars which is fuel which is fine it's not like every song has to be like this introspective like really deep stuff but i think this is where this point in their career they really did dive deep into introspective stuff and james just was so honest about Um, his struggles and there's some really interesting lyrical content um, throughout this whole album so but that was pretty much the entire album it is definitely different from like a regular Metallica album it's still a good album like if you like kind of like strip back what your expectations are of Metallica and kind of like let them be this is like their experimental era I hate that I like to say era for everything like it's literally because of Taylor Swift because of the Eras tour that is literally why I say that but yeah so I would I definitely do like this album I mean it's not one I really gravitate towards as much anymore but I was really into load and reload when I first got into Metallica so it always will hold a special place in my heart so But yeah, if you get to this point, thank you so much for listening. Um, Right now, we're going to be spinning the wheel. So let's see what we're going to be talking about next week. Okay, we have Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. Interesting. This is going to be our first, like, pop album that we're going to be reviewing, which will be fun. So I'm excited for that. So go ahead, check that out next week or whenever I put this out because this episode was late just because last week I had jury duty all week and I just did not have time to record something. But yeah, if you want to go follow me on Off The Record With E.T. on Instagram, go ahead and do that. If you want to email me at Off The Record With E.T. at gvo.com, you could do that as well. Remember to listen to your favorite song today and take care. Bye, guys.